Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Simply Finance with Shane White. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Ben Witte, the founder and CEO of Recess. And Recess is a consumer wellness brand creating products and experiences designed to help people feel balanced, centered, and inspired so that they can be their most productive and creative selves, despite living in an ever stressful world. Uh, they go along with saying, you know, that we all have too many tabs open in our browsers and our brains, and that's why we made resets. Each can is a moment to reset and rebalance. It's basically how you wish that 2 p.m. coffee would make you feel. Ben uh, started the brand in October 2018, really with a brand marketing first approach, uh, really leveraging D2C in their website. If you go to their Instagram, uh, Drink Recess, uh, if you go to their website, drinkrecess.com, um, both of those, you definitely get a sense of how much they've invested and they're focused in D2C. It was a great interview. Uh, ben is a great CEO and someone who I think I can learn a lot from even after this episode airs. Um, we had a pleasure sitting down talking through Ben's history, how he decided to start Recess, uh, raising money and capital and what it's been like to sell a you know CBD consumer wellness brand type product during COVID. It was a really great conversation, and I hope you guys enjoy. Thanks for listening, and Ben will be up right after this. give a little intro to yourself and the brand. Thank you for having me. Um, so yeah, um, I was, I grew up in Laguna beach. I was kind of a, a surfer and a, a creative, uh, in high school. I was really into kind of making movies and kind of design broadly, um, and thought, uh, I wanted to go into the film industry. Uh, I went to college in Boston, um, and I ended up studying undergraduate business. Um, and instead of, uh, kind of pursuing something creative, which I actually regret in retrospect. Um, but I graduated in 2010, you know, right when the Silicon, Val <clears throat> Silicon Valley startup scene was really starting to explode, uh, in San Francisco. And, uh, you know, I think I, I come from a pretty entrepreneurial family with kind of that spirit. And so I was you know, very much attracted to, to, you know, what was happening there instead of going to work at a corporate job. And so my first job out of college was a three-person startup that was, you know, building an influencer marketing platform for social media back in 2010. Oh, wow. And it was one of these experiences, which was like the right, right idea at the right time, just bad execution. Okay. Um, you know, it was early, um, but it was also um, just, I think we had an opportunity and poorly executed, which, you know, was, I think, a very impactful experience for me because... I think it you know, taught me the lesson that like the idea is, you know, pretty meaningless. You know, if you have a good idea, if you can't execute it on it, it's worthless. Sure. Right. And that yeah. everything kind of matters from, you know, the founding team to your investors, to your go to market strategy in terms of validating uh, a lot. And so uh, I look back and that was very kind of impactful. Um, you know, from there, I joined another um, startup in the digital marketing space. Um, and I, that was a different type of experience when I got there were 15 people and when I left we were like over 500 people and, um, I had a bunch of, you know, different leadership roles in the company. And I was always one of these guys that was like trying to like push the guy, you know, company in a new direction, right. I was the first to like focus on international. 
I was the first to focus on, you know, our mobile strategy. We were a desktop advertising company originally, and no one really knew what to do with me in these companies. And so <laughs> I always knew like, you know, I was better, I would be better off as an entrepreneur. Um, and I decided to kind of leave and go out my own. Um, but I was, you know, smart enough, I think, to realize that, you know, while I had worked in, in a traditional kind of B2B software development and, and sales, you know, my passions and strengths were around kind of consumer experiences and things with like a creative bent to them. Um, and so I sat on my own. Uh, before recess, I spent some time um, uh, exploring this hotel concept, which was like basically Soho House meets a high-end hostel targeted at like the kind of bi-coastal, you know, nomadic WeWork crowd, oh, okay. uh, which was, uh, I think, a good idea, uh, is a good idea, and you're starting to see a lot of it happen. But similarly, I decided like, I, you know, this was building it, real estate development was not the, you know, the first startup, uh, first space I wanted to really develop a startup for. Um, and so I tabled that, uh, moved to New York, um, and kind of the idea kind of of recess, you know, came from there which I'm happy to kind of walk you through, you know, the, the origin. Yeah, definitely. Can you, would you mind just kind of diving in? I'm, I'm very interested to hear, I didn't realize, I guess you had all that experience and then what made you then jump into recess? And then would you give a little background to what recess is? Yeah. So I was, um, when I moved to New York, um, I joined two friends, um, in kind of who had, were in the early days of starting this kind of brand studio, so to speak, we're going to like invest in startups and try and incubate our own and, there were already two other businesses um, that were kind of started and I was brought on to come up with an, a new idea. Um, and kind of what I observed was kind of CBD oil starting to kind of bubble up on the periphery. Uh, I saw it, you know, added to like juice. I saw CBD oil at the, you know, natural food store. And I've always been, you know, a naturally stressed out and anxious and, you know, wired person. Um, and when I started using CBD oil, I felt better. I felt more balanced and even keeled. And as a result, I felt more productive, more creative and less stressed out and anxious. And I just had a number of insights from that experience. You know, the first being, I'm not the only one that feels this way. Uh, stress and anxiety, uh, you know, were clearly, you know, rising as issues um, that people were seeking solutions for. And I think um, it went from being something that was taboo to talk about to something you know, almost quite the opposite. Right. I always like right. to say, like, it would have been, you know, five years ago to say I was seeing a therapist or I have an issue with anxiety would have been, you know, just oh, sure. not something you talk about. And now it's completely changed. Right. Um, so I saw this like space emerging of, you know, products that help you relax. Right. Being a big opportunity. You know, the second insight was around CBD itself. Um, you know. I, you know, I basically the user experience of putting CBD oil under your tongue was not a great one. But the way to think about um, CBD is as a compound, no more interesting than caffeine or whey protein, just a commoditized functional ingredient that would be added to many products. And the value would be developing the right application. So I could do a dissolvable tablet, I could do a, you know, oil, I could do kombucha, I could do a sparkling water you know, what was the first, what was the best first product to do? And then most importantly, building the brand on top of the ingredient, right? Okay. And I always compare CBD to caffeine. Who are the biggest caffeine companies? It's Red Bull, it's Starbucks, right? It's mm -hmm. Monster Energy and they don't market caffeine. They market Red Bull gives you wings, yes. right? And there's this whole misperception around CBD. Everyone's like, I'm a CBD brand. And you know, it was all these 
billion dollar joint ventures between this like candies cannabis groups and the big alcohol companies and exactly yeah and i'm like this is you're thinking about this the wrong way no one cared like it's a social construct that we're even talking about cbd and it's because it was a controlled substance Mm -hmm. right and that um and so it created this kind of story around it right and it was uh that creates an interesting dynamic um you know when that when i came with the idea um I didn't know a single person that ever worked in the beverage industry uh, and, um, <laughs> or CPG, right? And it literally never crossed my mind to even think about. Okay. Um, but what I observed was that, you know, beverages argue, beverage arguably has the largest, some of the largest brands on the planet, right? And it's the most brand-driven category on the planet due to the fact that beverages have a couple of unique attributes. There's no other product on the planet that's as high a frequency of use and purchase as a beverage. People that drink Coke or Starbucks or LaCroix or Red Bull tend to drink it multiple times per week. And there's no other product that gets as much distribution as a beverage. So that's Mm. a form of marketing for the idea itself, which leads to these massive brands. You know, the thing I observed about, you know, Red Bull and Monster and Gatorade is that they're effectively media companies that monetize through selling cans, right? In the case of Red Bull, you know, it basically created a media company focused on the action sports community. It sponsored every athlete. It employed producers um, and, it, you know, its business model was, you know, selling canes, right? right? And that their marketing strategy was thinking, you know, bigger than just the, you know, the liquid in the can, right? In the case of Gatorade, you know, they were focused on, you know, the similar model focused on professional athletics. Um, and, uh, you know, the opportunity I saw for Recess was to basically build, you know, the Red Bull of CBD, but focused on creatives. Um, oh. And that... You know, my overall framework is that like in the past, brands were built on the shelf today and in the future, they're going to be built on your phone and that changes everything, right? I think the idea that you're going to like build a brand doing demos at a natural food store is over, right? And that it's all going to be kind of digitally first and that, you know, the opportunity I saw was to, to you know, to break through in a new way. And, um, and so I can come back to that. And the fourth insight was around the regulation of CBD, which um, at the time, CBD and uh, various extracts of hemp were all controlled substances. And I recognized, you know, I wasn't going to you know, start a business selling a controlled substance indefinitely. There would need to be a light at the end of the tunnel. And I heard about this piece of legislation called the Hemp Farming Act, which is, was introduced by Mitch McConnell. Yep. I'm like, why is Mitch McConnell introducing a bill around hemp and CBD? And fundamentally, uh, it's a red state farmers issue. He basically wants hemp to be the future crop of America so that all these farmers that, you know, used to grow corn, soybeans, tobacco, and have been hurt through globalization and, you know, broad commoditization, uh, had a much higher yielding crop to grow. And so I heard that. I'm like, well, wait a second. Those hemp farmers are going to ultimately want to sell to Mm Coca-Cola, right? Like, like, you know, and uh, if I could basically create a business plan to navigate this regulatory kind of gray area to arrive at the other side, which is when the category really begins as the category leading brand will then, you know, I, we have an opportunity to build Red Bull. And so from before I launched, like I basically, my thesis was there's a category forming that's going to be as big as uh, energy drinks focused on relaxation uh, with CBD and other functional uh, ingredients serving as the, the base. And that we have, and that, you know, Recess's business plan was to build the equivalent of Red Bull. And so that was kind of the thesis. 
from day one. And, you know, we're 19 months old now. And uh, I think, you know, we're, we're, we're still, you know, small and young, but I think we're, we're very well positioned uh, to do just that. That was a great intro. Wow. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. I would love to kind of dive into some of those parts. I know for me, this, the the piece that you just talked about with legislation, that's one that's I'm, I'm super curious to ask you about and to understand more. I When I was looking into the CBD space, like I said, probably a year and a half ago, that to me felt like the biggest uh, hurdle for sure. How did you think through that? And I guess the, the, my like big question would be like, how did you decide to go forward with recess with the you know light at the end of the tunnel philosophy and like how have you have you thought through that as you've developed recess because I think that's a I'm sure that's probably scared some people away and it's just it's become a, I know it's a confusing component of the CBD space. Well, it's just you know I think it's a really good question. You know, I've always viewed it as you know a competitive advantage. I think so many of the biggest businesses were started because of some inflection point in either technology or regulation. Right. If you look at Uber, it was, you know, GPS on mobile and it like the regulatory system wasn't designed for it, but it was right. able to navigate that and, and, and like become out the leader. And so I think so often, like you want to, in entrepreneurship, you want to find like a secret that people don't recognize the implications of. And then my, my secret was like, you know, people are talking about CBD, but I don't think they recognize how big it can get. And that like, if you view it as like the equivalent of caffeine to Red Bull, you're like, think about the market for caffeine and like how many experiences are built on the idea of stimulation. Like, I really think there's going to be similar type of market built on the idea of relaxation. Right. And so it was just so like, it was like, this makes sense. This is going to happen. Like farmers want as big of a market to sell, you know, their CBD too. It's not just going to be oils. Oils are, don't make sense. Like oils are just like the first product out there because, you know, it was primarily like farmers creating it. Right. Yeah. Um, it's not because it actually is like what the consumer wants. Sure. Right. It's and not so a great to experience. me, it was good. Yeah. So it was yeah. very much a calculated risk. Okay. But like, you know, you, I think you want to be like non-consensus and right, you know, sure. as like where value is created. And so, and I just knew, I also, that was, you know, that was one thing. I also had like this thesis around digital, which I like, I'm astounded, like, to be honest, like the more time I spend in the CPG industry, it's shocking at, um, I think how, uh, you know, behind, I think most brands are in thinking about digital. Mm-hmm. And I think one of my observations is that, you know, people in CPG refer to think of digital as just like, in, like I can sell incremental cases through Amazon yes. and have completely ignored the brand building opportunities. And, you know, the dynamics of CPG are such that, you know, value is becoming one of the top, you know, brands in a category and nothing else really matters. You either want to be really small or really big, right? Uh, to be honest, um, you don't, being in the middle is tough, right? And so to get big, it's all about becoming that kind of category defining default brand, like, you know, RX bar, you know, became at, in the time, right? Yeah, right. Um, and that you know, culture and like, and I think to become that you need to create a massive amount of awareness, you need to drive a massive amount of trial, you need to drive a massive amount of earned media. And that's going to happen. You know, that happening is having an Instagram, not like doing demos, like, and like, that's a tactic, but like, that is not brand building. Right. Right. And I think that like, frankly, um, 
what a brand is is fundamentally different today than in the past, right? In the past, when all a brand was was a product that existed on a shelf, right? That was just a name on a package. It didn't stand for anything. Um, and today, when your brand also has to exist digitally and has to be able to speak to consumers every single day, well, that fundamentally changes your brand architecture, mm-hmm. right? And so if you go to Recess, I don't know if you've been to our Instagram. I have. But like, you know, it's so different compared to every single other CBG brand ever, oh, right? Yeah. That's something I want to talk about between your Instagram and your website. It's like almost like jaw dropping how much you guys have put into it. It's, it's a very cool experience. Yeah. And yeah, I'm I'm happy to, you know, think, dive into it, but yeah, like, I mean, look, I think a couple things as it relates to our strategy. So, you know, we launched in October, October, 2018, um, which was ended up being a month before the hemp farm act passed. So the timing was like, really good oh yeah we did this direct to consumer only launch it was at the time it was me and my apartment and my coo based in boise idaho is the only employees like there's nothing and you know our launch strategy was to you know go out with this very polished brand right like you know went from being you know a cbd sparkling water to recess and the big idea of recess is ultimately like the idea of recess itself which is taking a moment throughout your day to reset and rebalance right and so we had to introduce this new idea into consumers' lives and establish a new usage occasion, establish a new feeling, right? And the way to do that is through telling your story digitally, right? And so our website day one is, when you go to our website, I think it, you get what we're doing. You get how recesses meant to fit in your life. And that's not by just saying CBD reduces anxiety, which is what most brands do. It's by creating this entire brand world and this narrative around the idea of recess being an antidote to modern times. You know, we create products and, and experiences that help you feel calm, cool, collected, you know, not tired, not wired. You know, importantly, you know, our, our URL and our Instagram handle is take a recess, not drink recess, mm-hmm. right? It's because I've never viewed recess as a beverage company, right? I've oh, really okay. viewed it as this new type of brand, right? And I think, you know, one thing about, um, you know, what the feeling, right? If you think about stimulation and energy drinks, you know, I drink iced coffee in the morning. I'm not up until I have a sip. Like you feel an energy drink immediately. Stress and anxiety is a story you tell yourself in your head primarily, right? And so the, you know, frankly, the effect uh, is a combination of the drinking recess, the effect of the drinking recess is a combination of the efficacy of the functional ingredients and how they interact with us each individually. Like I always compare it to caffeine, like my dad can have a double espresso at 11 PM and go to bed. I can't do that. You know, CBD and adaptogens are going to also impact people differently. Um, But it's also about like, what is your expectation about what recess is supposed to do for them? Right. Which is like how it makes them feel. Right. And I think the best like beverage companies transfer an emotion right to consumers right they connect emotionally like think about corona that's you know it's supposed to transfer you to the beach drinking a corona on the beach mm-hmm. think about you know gray goose it's like you're balling out in the club think about you know red bull it's stimulation and action sports and being extreme think about gatorade it's like fitness right and so it's all the best brands are able to you know really sell an emotion and you know what recess is is this idea of feeling 
kind of calm, balanced, and centered so you can be your most kind of productive and creative self. You know, I think we didn't go out there, you know, the, the, the usage occasion was not designed to be drinking, you know, before bed, even though many people do it, right? Yeah. It's really meant to be drinking all day, which is, I think, why this is going to get so big. Okay. Um, yeah, and so, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm on we like really my third LaCroix today. Yeah. So yeah. to your point, yeah. So, um, so yeah, I'll stop there. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's, it's an amazing like leeway into what you made you think of the brand, how to come to market. Um, I would love to kind of go into, I think like the CBD space. One other question I had was, um, so you tried it, you had a good experience from it. I've, I've had the same. It's like, it definitely, especially if you get it from a good source of, you know, you definitely can feel it. You can notice it. You can tell there's something happening. How did you then, cause you mentioned this at the beginning, how did you decide to get it into like a sparkling water drink? How did you decide that to be your first product? Well, I just looked at like, there's all these functional beverage categories, right? Uh, you know, energy drinks and coffee for stimulation, you know, kombucha at the time for gut health and, you know, Gatorade for, you know, fitness recovery. And it just made sense. Like, you know, the only thing you can people pick up to like, quote unquote, take the edge off and relax is alcohol, right? Mm -hmm. But no one's going to drink alcohol during the day. And so it was just obvious to me that the world is getting more crazy, not less crazy. And people are going to be more stressed out, not less stressed out. And they're going to increasingly be looking for products and brands that help them relax. Right. And so, um, you know, I just think no one's going to want to like carry around a tincture in their pocket all day and stick oil that tastes like grass under their tongue. They're going to want to drink something like a recess, which is, you know, in the background. Right. And it's about, it's similar to, you know, where Red Bull fits into someone's life. Right. So I just seem like an obvious opportunity to me. And look, people had tried the relaxation category before, but no one got it right. Right. CBD was not the main ingredient. The branding was all wrong the timing was wrong. Like, and I think that's so much like such a lesson for, I think, entrepreneurship and startups, which is, um, you know, you got to get everything right to have a chance. Okay. Right. Yeah, um, sure. and, and timing and the name and the go to market, like a lot of stuff happened the right time. Like I always go back to, we originally were supposed to launch in, you know, June, 2018. We launched in October. I, I don't think we would have failed if we launched in June. But like, I think it was like the timing was exactly right. And that was just a lot of luck, to be honest. Um, right. Part of it's and, that, right? Yeah. And I just think, you know, going back to getting things right, I always remember, you know, when I was thinking about recess, like looking at like Sweetgreen as a business. Okay. Like Sweetgreen wasn't like the first place, first salad chain. It was the first one to like really focus on every detail um, and get, you know, the brand, the ingredient, the, you know, the menu, the digital all right. Mm-hmm. And that all compounds on itself and created clearly the market leader in the category. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's like just another example of, you know, you can be just like my first job out of college, like we were, I was an influencer marketing in 2010. Okay. You know, in theory, like you could, you know, you were early, you saw it before a lot of others did, and you should make, and that's not how it works. Right. You have to like execute right across every stage. Sure. Definitely. Yeah. And then like, to bounce off of that, how did you, I know for me, like I've tried to put CBD like in drinks and it doesn't, well, I guess it depends on the type of CBD too. So that was a question I had for you. I know I read online, there's a difference between you use yeah. full spectrum CBD versus CBD isolate. I think I've messed around with CBD isolate more. What is the like biggest difference and why do you guys use full spectrum? Yeah. 
Well, I'll come to that. Um, but your first point around, uh, you know, dissolving it in water. Um, yeah. Well, first of all, oil doesn't dissolve in water, right? So right. you can't CBD oil doesn't just naturally, um, uh, it's it not naturally right? soluble, right? Yeah. And so that was a big thing at the beginning. There was, I was like, all right, well, how am I going to get CBD to dissolve in water? Right. right. And so there was no supply at the time. It was much less sophisticated industry. The supply, there was no supply chain. I literally like, I can't remember how, but got connected to this guy that was operating out of what felt like a breaking bad lab in <laughs> New Jersey who had created this form of water soluble CBD. And like, you know, I, that's not who he used, but like one thing led to another. I remember calling hemp farmers in Kentucky, like, who should we talk to about this? And, you know, we ended up founding, you know, finding someone. Um, and, you know, over the past two years, you know, it's, the industry is completely transformed, right? Like there's a whole industry, the hemp industry now, yeah. and like a lot of hard technology going into different products. So um, that's been amazing. But at the time, it was such a journey. Oh, again, sure. I had no idea. I didn't know anything about making a beverage, right? Um, right. And, you know, around, you know, the isolate versus full spectrum is a really interesting question because because of the regulatory dimensions of the recess opportunity, it's almost like you're playing like five dimensional chess. Like you have to be thinking like many moves out. Yeah. Right. And so what I saw is like doing my, the homework was basically CBD isolate was, has been approved as a pharmaceutical drug. So CBD isolate is just one uh, compound CBD isolated within the broader hemp extract. Hemp extract is, kind of all of the compounds found in hemp uh, together. So you get CBD, CBN, CBG, and a bunch of other kind of uh, terpenes as well um, that work together. And so, and those are distinct things. And the way it works <clears throat> is that you're not allowed, you know, traditionally to put something approved as a pharmaceutical drug into food or right. supplements. And so I'm like, CBD isolate is not where you want to be. You want to be full spectrum hemp extract and you basically want to be able to make the case in the short term while the regulatory gets worked out that look we're not a cbd company we're a hemp extract company and those are different oh, things right and so okay. that's why it doesn't say cbd on our label anywhere on our brand is because they're different things and cbd is in recess but it's one of many compounds found in recess got it okay that makes a lot of sense because i was wondering like because it's still kind of parts of it are gray right just in general the, yeah oh yeah yeah. Okay. That makes so much more sense. So, okay. Full hemp extract. Got it. That makes sense. And then getting it. Yeah. Cause I, I know um, it just seems like getting it into a, a drink, I'm sure it was complicated at the time, especially at the time you were trying to do it. Um, obviously it's not like there was lots of that available. So, yeah. but that seems like that's kind of just part of the entrepreneurial journey is trying to figure that out, find it. It's like, not, it's no different than, yeah. you know, figuring all this out on your own. Well, general, that's where the right? value is created. It's like, you know, it's like the dirt, right? Like it's not, sure. it was not easy. Right. And so, um, but we, we did, you know, we, I think we navigated it the right way. Right. And that's why it's potentially valuable. It, you know, it's much easier to get into now because it's a much more mature, you know, you know, the, in, the hemp industry is much more matured. So, com, you know, compared to when I started recess, you know, there's a, there's a hundred companies you'd call right now to get water soluble. You know, okay. Extract. Sure. Yeah. So it's just a different thing, but I'm incredibly engaged on the regulatory. I probably spend no joke 30% of my time uh, oh, trying really? to update the Yeah. I'm incredibly engaged there. And so, you know, most CBD CPG companies, 
don't are not trying to like there's not they're not spending a whole amount of time on politics yeah right in the first yeah. year versus that's, like, yeah. that's yeah versus you know i've had to become one of the most engaged people in the entire industry uh on hemp and specifically on the issue of getting cbd allowed to be added to beverages so they can be sold everywhere um because you know that's where the real inflection point in our business comes right the only reason recess is not at target and whole foods and cbs and all those national retailers is not because they don't want it. It's because the regulatory is still unclear. Right. Right. And so that's the main constraint in our business. Hey, I was going to say, I mean, you guys have really tackled the D to C component and I know you're in, I think it was over 4,000 locations today. Is that right? Some, in that range, you know, we're in, um, you know, five main markets. We're in, you know, New York and we're, you know, we have a big business there. We're in LA, we're in Austin, Texas, we're in Chicago. Uh, we just launched Maine. Um, and then those are our, D, our markets where we have DSD distribution. We also have a direct to business program where we're, we are just ship recess to them at wholesale prices um, because okay. the economics makes sense for us. And we get a huge amount of inbound demand from retailers all over the country that just want to carry recess, but we don't have you know local distributor. Okay. Um, yeah, right. So that's, um, that's a nice channel for us. And, and our D2C business is pretty distributed geographically. So, um, you know, we're, again, we're, we're 19 months old. Yeah. Uh, this is a, you know, I always like to say, it's very, to, it's very different creating a category versus going into an existing category and trying to differentiate and create, take market share. Two completely different business plans. Um, and ours has been around this kind of category, becoming the category defining and category leading brand of the you know, CBD beverage relaxation category, which we, we have, like we are you know, winning um, that and getting rep, but while also building an organization and a supply chain and a business model um, that is you know ready to scale at the moment's notice right yeah. i have to imagine rx bar there was like a moment when it just like blew up Real right and like yeah yeah and so you know that's where we are um and i always think about it, it's like you want to be the default first choice for a retailer or distributor building out the category right. right and that like you know you know my one of my favorite stats is like you know hard seltzer i think white claw has something like 50% market share. And when you add White Claw and Truly, it's like 85% market share and hard seltzer, yeah. right? And it's not because they're the best liquids. It was because they're the category defining brands, right? And, when, and, and that becomes the, the brand that the retailers and the distributors push. And that becomes the default first choice in the consumer's mind. And then it's very hard to take that away, right? Like, you know, Bud Light, Seltzer, Corona Seltzer, all these things, they, have, they haven't even really, really moved the needle all that much, yeah. right? And um, because of how valuable it is to become that first, that big brand. Right. hundred percent. And are you guys, are you, because of the hemp CBD component, are you able to sell on Amazon? No, not yet. No. Okay. So there's, yeah. So it sounds like once some of this happens, you guys are just poised and ready to kind of explode. Right. I mean, that, yeah. it's, that's like, those are all the major cha- channels of distribution. A lot of CPG brands go after and you're not able to do it. So if you're yeah. crushing it in all these other areas, yeah, that's wild. Well, it's, kind of, it's like, a, I, I view it as a blessing in disguise. Like if this would have been ready to scale when we launched, like, well, the company was in my apartment in the East Village. Like yeah. there was no organization, right? And so it's like given us, you know, 19 months to build a supply chain, an organization, an executive team, best in class, it's ready to scale, right? Okay. It, it enabled us to, you know, the brand is... I think our awareness relative to our revenue is probably off the charts, right? But I can't think, there's probably not another example, right? Um, and it's because of, you know, we're digitally native, we have a big Instagram audience, we get a lot of press, but we're not sold to national retailers yet. 
And so I think it's a good thing, not a bad thing, because when that moment comes, there's already an incredibly amount of entrenched awareness and demand for recess, um, you know, when we hit the shelves. And they're not going to, like, put, you know, the natural material is not going to put this in the back as an experiment. Like, we know CBD works. You yeah. know people want it. Like, right. the only reason they don't have it is because they couldn't sell it. And so, you know, I'm excited for that day when that comes, and uh, I'm optimistic it's, you know, coming soon. Yeah, no, that's exciting. Uh, I was going to say, too, so you're, you guys – I think probably, and you probably know this, but I feel like also with spending more time, it's kind of what RX did in the early days. Like we built this cult following by going through our website, going through like the CrossFit B2B channels. It seems like you got in today's world, I'm seeing a lot of brands that are rushing into retail like really quick. And it made, it's not necessarily a bad decision, but it, it, it doesn't allow you to kind of stop and learn your consumer, get that cult following and then give it to the masses type situation. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I would love to talk a little more too about your, speaking of that is just like your website. So yeah, I, you know, I was doing research weeks ago when we first talked, um, yeah. I had been on the website, I, I feel like probably a year ago, not a year ago, maybe a little six months ago. And then I, when I went on a few weeks ago, I was like, Oh, you guys totally overhauled this. It's like a whole new, I don't even, I don't even want to call your website a website. It's more of like an experience. It is. I've never seen anything like it. Would you mind explaining a little bit behind that and how you guys went about doing that? Yeah, well, look, I think, um, you know, when I come in with a recess brand, I, there's two things. One, I look at recess as a narrative driven brand. Like if you think about our messaging and our copy and like how we tell a story, like we're, we're very, very much telling stories and then creating this like visual world and visual language around it. And I wanted recess to be able to kind of transport you like from your I look at recess as like a way, it's like a mentality of like dealing with the world around you. And, um, you know, the fourth point I'd say is like, you know, to connect with creatives, you have to be willing to, you have to be able to create yourself. Like creatives understand other creatives. They understand and respect something that was made, you know, in a thoughtful way with like craftsmanship, right? And so those are like the overarching kind of principles for developing the overall brand. And, you know, ultimately, like the first line on the original site and the first line on the back of the can is like, we canned a feeling, right? And so ultimately, that's what we're selling, the feeling. And so, but that feeling is not just from the CBD. It's from every interaction you have with the brand. And so our website, like people like are, I think, you know, completely have, uh, in, in CBG, I think have completely underestimated in brand and underinvested in brand. And like when someone's doing research on you and I was looking to understand like, how does this brand fit into my life? Well, your website is like the number, your website and your Instagram are the number one, two places where that's going to be conveyed. Right. And I think it's completely underinvested in. And um, so we wanted to kind of create this experience, which told the story. Right. And so I look at the website as that it's really this recess world, right? It's very like, it's, 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 you know, the copy kind of explains like how recess fits into your life. Um, it, you know, we're, we really kind of, I'd say we're the first to really like lean into gradients and um, like clouds as like this yeah. visual language system. Now everyone's doing it. The number of recess knockoffs and like, there's a lot. I'm sure. Uh, as soon as I saw know, that, I'm like, they're going to have a lot of knockoffs because this, yeah. this is very well, uh, creative. It was meant to be like your head in the clouds. Like that's when you're in flow state, like when you're brainstorming or, you know, a sunset, like the colors are like a sunset, which was like when I grew up on the beach, 
Like that was my recess, like watching a sunset almost, right? And so there's all these like references, you know, uh, I think to the real world, but it's also recess is all about like the merging of like the digital and the physical almost, right? And so I think we're this, you know, digitally, you know, internet brand with this like offline retail product that's pretty interesting. And so, you know, that was, you know, I think a rambling a little bit, but um, yeah, I think that, you know, the website's cool and unique. It's just very recessed. It feels natural for us. So it's almost like hard for me to explain it. Cause it just, yeah, no, for sure. You know, what, what it's, what's right. Um, but I do think that, you know, since, you know, my advice to other, you know, founders is that brand matters a lot, right? And that consumers today are buying a story, right? They're not just buying a product and they need to understand you know, how your brand fits into their life and what you stand for, what you represent. Um, and I don't just mean like politically and social, you know, justice issues. I mean, like, really, like, what do you guys care about? Like, what is, what were you thoughtful about in making this? And I don't think it's enough to just be thoughtful about, you know, the, you know, the liquid or the food, right? right. Like the brand is important, right? Just look at what brands have gotten big, right? And yeah. not just because, you know, it's, it's an important component. Um, and so I think it's really, and I also think like the brand strategy of the past of completely not like pretending like digital doesn't exist and just an afterthought, it's not going to work. Right. right. Like I think a brand has to be architected today with like a digital first strategy in mind and digital first doesn't just mean able to sell through a website or Amazon. That means yeah. like, how is, how am I going to tell stories online? Yeah it's the interaction, right? It's like the interaction piece that I think you're hitting on that a lot of brands just don't do enough of. And it's funny too, the timing to me is interesting. I mean, I know this has been your strategy since you launched because of really the hemp and everything that's involved in your product, but to kind of to pivot to COVID, I would think that this has got to have been an eye opener for a lot of brands who, to your point of underinvested in this space. And now foot traffic's down in stores purchases are all going online and if you don't if you didn't have that investment either ready to go or already there you number one you missed out on a lot of people who just switched overnight to a new way of buying right and then now that's where a lot of people i think are feeling more comfortable with shopping so i'm curious for you how is covid obviously it's been a horrible thing for everybody but like for the brand i'm assuming it actually could have potentially given you guys a lot of new quote unquote foot traffic, but like foot traffic to recess. Yeah. I mean, look, our, our tagline is an antidote to modern times. And so <laughs> like in some ways, the entire thesis of recess was that like the world going to go get increasingly crazier and crazier as a result of the fact that we live in this transformational moment in history where we're really like, like exiting like this, the 20th century, uh, uh you know, the, and entering the 21st century, right? Yeah. Um, and like this digital information age, and that's disruptive across everything, politics, the economy, you know, and the impacts that, you know, frankly, technology has had on our life, right? And right, so, yeah. But with that said, I always say like, you know, I didn't, we didn't anticipate a global pandemic and a quarantine and, you know, all these things. But um, I think what COVID's done is accelerated the future, right? Yeah. Like, and, uh, and I've been saying like, digitally native for literally two years and everyone thought I was crazy. And I was like, and I think this just really overnight brought the future to the present. Right. That's oh, a, a cool way it, to think about it. Yeah. I think it's just like, it's now, it was like an afterthought. And now it's imperative. 
right? Like right. you can even see it with Pepsi going D to C, like, you know, that's something that was never been done before, right? Uh, because it was just not worthwhile. It was a rounding error, but it's not really a rounding error because it's how you connect with your audience, which is a requirement today. Yeah. So like, I think there's all these trends that I think COVID has, you know, to, to summarize, I think there's a lot of trends that COVID has accelerated. You know, the importance of digital, both distribution and brand building. Um, I think the, you know, I think like there's certain like functional benefit value propositions that just became a lot stronger, yeah. like stress relief and anxiety. Uh, a big use case of recess is recess as a substitute for alcohol. Right. And I think that makes a lot of sense when you think about it, like people, you know, they used to, you know, be at their office, you know, go get some drinks after work with their friends um, at a bar. And now they're working from home and, you know, they want something to take the edge off at the end of the day that might not be alcohol. Like people don't like to drink by themselves or drink at home as much, I think, um, necessarily. Right. They may have a glass of wine, but I think there's a large share that's shifting to, you know, low ABV or no ABV drinks. And I see we've seen that accelerate during COVID. You know, our e-commerce business is up, you know, 4x pre-COVID. Wow. Uh, we launched three new flavors uh, during, you know, during COVID in May that are performing really well. We recently launched subscriptions and 45% of our orders are subscriptions. Oh, wow. Um, That's a lot. Crazy. Um, and it's like, because recess, when it becomes a part of your life, it becomes a daily habit. Yeah. Right? Once, you, once you get used that. to drinking a recess, you know, while you're working to focus or after a workout or at the end of the day to take the edge off or before bed, you want to do that every day. Sure. Right. Oh, yeah. And so that's not like, you know, it's different. It's a true like functional beverage in people's lives. Um, it, as well as like, you know, the, the thing about recesses is everyone asks me like, who's your competition? I'm like, well, it depends on what time of the day they're drinking it. Right. Oh. Like if they're drinking it, you know, in the morning, instead of a coffee or with their coffee, you know, that's one set of competition. If they're drinking it while working, you know, that might be instead of a LaCroix or a Spindrift or a coffee, you know, if they're drinking it, you know, with lunch, you know, it's a different set of competition. A lot of people use it as a substitute for their, you know, afternoon coffee. A lot of use it, people use it before or after workouts. So maybe that's as a substitute for, you know, kombucha or coconut water, you know, in the evening, that's sure. instead of alcohol, you know? So it's like, you know, why I think, you know, it sounds like an insane thing to say, but I do believe it. Like I ultimately think this category is going to be bigger than energy drinks. And, you know, it's a $20 billion year category. Uh, and it's because there's just more usage occasions and points of distribution where these brand, these beverages make sense to be sold. Right. And, um, you know, no one drinks energy drinks after five o'clock unless you're you know, trying to stay up all night or we can play at recess can play at every waking hour of the day. I was right? going to say so, you can use it literally at any point in the day. Right. Yep. Yeah, and exactly. I feel like people are probably more likely to jump in and use this type of product um, to your point throughout the day when things are stressful whether it's a or just want to chill. Like, I mean, there's just so many different use occasions for this type yeah. of drink, right? Yeah, exactly. So wild. Um, one, I had one finance question. I know we've been going for a while, so I want to make sure I got it in. Um, I like to ask people in my founder series on here, I think it's just an interesting from a finance lens question is I know when you guys got started, you did do a small seed round. Uh, is that, that if that's correct? What, um, for new, I have a lot, a lot of people on here that listen that are either you know interested in starting a company or they're like thinking about taking an idea and and making it into a business. Um, what is your suggestion or advice now that you've gone through it on you know bootstrapping versus raising some money or like what are the reasons you went down the the raising route? Just kind of yeah. like a general understanding of like your thought and process of doing that for recess. 
It's a really good question. Um, look, I think, um, I think it's really important to be like really honest with like the opportunity, right? Like I believed that I really believed it. I was like, this cat, this is an opportunity. that's going to be as big as Red Bull. And it didn't even exist. Yet. It was an idea. Yeah. And, and it's like, you're not going to build Red Bull bootstrapping it. Right. And I even think beverage in particular is notoriously expensive, right? Because you need, you know, if you're going DSD beverage, these products are not just showing up on the shelves in the independent class trade, right? So you have a right. massive sales team, massive field marketing team, massive, you know, brand awareness required to do it. And so, you know, for us, like I recognize early days that if, you know, I really want to do, take a shot at doing this, like that's going to require capital. Okay. Right? And I yep. did come from Silicon Valley and like you know, a lot of friends are VCs. So like I grew, like I was always interested in that world. Right. And so I was familiar, you know, with how it worked. Okay. You know, but you know, what I would say for other entrepreneurs is, is so, so for other entrepreneurs is what re, really recognize about like, where is your, what, what is the opportunity? And what does it look like? I think this one was one where I was able to say in a PowerPoint, like, here's why I think this is going to work. Right. And it's like a pretty logical one. Yeah. Right. I think there's so many different, you know, CPG ideas, which are, you know, pretty niche, right? Like they, they just are right. And it's like, there's not, I don't know how big the market's going to get. And so I think they require a little more validation. And so, you know, for recess, I, we did, I basically did self fund it uh, until we got to a point where I could put final label, final for initial formula and like a go-to-market plan down in front of someone, right? So it was not just an idea, but it was something you could taste. It was something you could look at. Um, and I was like, this is how we're going to launch. Like you're funding the launch, right? right? So that's, I think that's important. I think no one's, I don't think you can just like, do not, I think it's a terrible idea to raise money for an idea. Okay. Um, yeah. I think it's bootstrapping it uh, for as long as possible um, is always, should always be the goal. And then I just think there's, you know, I think it's just, it's fair. It's like, there are big, there are bigger ideas than there are some really, really big ideas. And there are some ideas that are smaller and that's okay. Yeah. But yeah. just like recognize that and just, you know, understand that it means two different things. Cause the second you start, you know, break, taking a lot of money from investors, like you're playing a different game, right? It's not Definitely. the same game and it's just, it's just different. Right. And it has trade-offs, right? You're taking dilution, you're giving up control. You're bringing other people with, you know, opinions into the company that have a vested interest, right? Like right. a lot of my job is managing investors and you know, positioning the company for future capital and things like that. And so you just got to be, I think it's recognize that once you go down that path, it's, there's a different set of expectations um, around like making progress, growth, like, you know, thinking big. Um, I, I, I do think, I do think people can think bigger in the CPG industry. I okay. don't think people yeah. think big enough. Like, and I think I bring kind of a Silicon Valley mentality to CPG around, you know, building businesses, thinking for the long term, you know, watching, you know, planting a bunch of seeds and watching them all kind of grow, thinking in this like kind of flywheel dynamic. I do think Silicon okay. Valley is like a way of thinking about building businesses that don't just apply to technology. Yeah, no, I love that. That's probably something that really hasn't happened too many times in the CPG space so far. Um, 
we've been going for a while, so I don't want to take too much of your time. I had a, I had a couple last questions that I wanted to ask you, Ben. Um, one being, um, I like to ask all of my people on my founder series, this, do you as an entrepreneur have any books or like podcasts or anything that you like go to that you would suggest to, you know, anyone, if you had one to pick from, so like a book podcast, something to learn. So my favorite book, uh, is, uh, for entrepreneurs is shoe dogs, which is around the founding of Nike and uh, oh, yeah. Phil Knight's story. And, you know, that was you know, it took like 20, 30 years, you know, we we think of Nike as what it is today, but, you know, really took 20, 30 years to even get to that point. Right. And just like the persistence required and like the belief he had in the opportunity was super inspiring. Um, And I think really does convey the entrepreneurial journey. Well, Um, you know, one of my favorite, uh, you know, newsletters is from this guy, Webb Smith called 2PML. And he writes about like, you know, the digitally native brand space, the direct to consumer space um, and kind of the new models that are emerging. Um, and I think they apply to everything. Right. And he has this concept of, you know, linear commerce, um, which is you know, basically his thesis was, you know, all consumer brands are going to effectively become media companies uh, because you need to generate like this kind of earned media strategy because, the idea that you're just going to build a brand doing paid media exclusively is done. Okay. Um, yeah. and, and so I, I'd encourage people to read that because no matter what your industry is, I do think that is like a meta thought that's, you know, applying, um, you know, podcasts. Uh, I really like this podcast invest like the best, which is, um, you know, it's started by, it was you know, run by this finance guy, but he brings on entrepreneurs and investors and really good interview, really thoughtful um, conversation. And that's how I learned. Like I learned, like I, I, I swear I didn't learn a single thing in business school. I said the same thing. Like completely, I wouldn't even gone to college in retrospect, but I I think you can learn so much just on YouTube, Twitter, just podcasts, right? Just like think like listening to other people that have gone through what you're going to go through is really helpful. And you start to like pattern match and, you know, uh, so those are a couple of things I found valuable. Yeah. Love those. Thank you. And then, the other one I like to ask is what do you use as far as a tool to like, I mean, you're a CEO and you're running a business and you're on, you know, different boards and you're doing lots of stuff. What do you use to like track all of your tasks and to do's or do you notebook it? Do you have something, an app you like, or is it all over the place? Like most of us, it's pretty all over the place. I'm terrible. Like I'm really not great. Um, to be honest, I'm, I'm working on it, but like I'm naturally kind of a creative. And so it's more, you know, it's, I need, but I've gotten to a point where, you know, I think to get, you know, to, to, you know, running a business and I have a million ideas and just organizing them is very important. Right. And so it's something I'm working on. Um, you know, I started to use notion pretty good with my calendar in terms of, you know, putting stuff in that. Um, I have an assistant, which is really, I find to be really helpful for me because it allows me to get some stuff off my plate and she really gives me the time to think right about you know what our strategy is so i think so often like your job as a ceo is you know it's it's really about making the 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 important making the right important decisions right and it's like there i think you look back in a year and there's like so often it's like only a few decisions that really are the meaningful ones like we're we're gonna do this launch we're gonna invest in this we're gonna hire this person and if you're so 
like busy um, and have no time to think, I think you make bad decisions, right? And so a lot of my time is spent, you know, thinking, to be honest. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. That's great. Um, I think the thinking piece, that's one that I don't hear probably enough people say. I think it's true. We get very stuck in just the like task, task, tasks. They yeah. don't just stop and have time to think. That's such a great call out. Yeah. Um, and then lastly, but most importantly, how do people try? What's your suggestion on people trying recess? And then how yeah. do people get a hold of you if they have any other questions or want to learn more about the brain? Yeah. So go to takearecess.com um, and you can order a sampler. Uh, we have, you can order all the kind of each of our flavors and we offer free, sh- free shipping. And we're, I believe, running a summer sale right now. Um, we have, you know, retail distribution and kind of, you know, the major markets are New York, uh, LA, Chicago, Austin, primarily a little in the Bay area, but that's, you know, ramping up. Um, and, uh, you can find me, my, on um, you know, Instagram or Twitter. Uh, my handle is B W I T T E, uh, on Instagram and Ben Witty on Twitter. Um, and I'm you know, happy to answer any questions. Awesome. Well, thank you, Ben. I will add uh, the link to the show notes and I'll add all that in the show notes as well. And uh, can't thank you enough for coming on the podcast today. It was a pleasure getting to know you and meet you and uh, learn more about recess. Thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. Awesome. Well, thanks, Ben. Hope you have a great rest of your day and uh, we'll talk soon. Cool. Take care. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Simply Finance with Shane White. As always, we have a few links in the show notes that I want to remind you of. The first is if you like the concept of recess drinks, you can go to drinkrecess.com and use code SIMPLYFINANCE at checkout to receive 20% off anything site-wide. And as always, we also have two links in the show notes, one is to Robinhood Investing, which is the investing platform that I use personally. If you want to click on that link, you can go and get yourself your own free stock uh, by just signing up. The second link is to the COVID stock market rebound tracker. I haven't done an episode or too many episodes recently on investing through COVID, but I still am keeping an eye and investing myself. If you'd like to follow along with that tracker and see what I'm doing and what I'm investing in, you can follow the link to that. It's a Google Sheet, and you can follow along. And in that Google Sheet, there's also resources from the episodes uh, that dive into a little bit more of the math behind the concepts of the podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody, and I hope you have a great day.